We're talking this morning about disruptors, and we're in, Lu- or in John chapter uh, 11 today. A disruptor is someone who stands up and interrupts and says, this is not the way things should be. This isn't the way a system should treat its people. We have to do better than this. Disruptors can often be misunderstood, can often be accused of being rebels without a cause, but they are a people who refuse to accept the status quo, especially when that status quo steals strength, when it tramples people underfoot. They are people that refuse to see their fellow men in chains, in discomfort, in pain, living something less than what God intended them to be. History eventually calls them reformers or emancipators, researchers, inventors, educators, entrepreneurs, leaders, visionaries, and pioneers. Their contemporaries often call them troublemakers, insurgents, rebels, disruptors like Moses, Born an Israeli, but was raised in privilege and in the court of the Egyptian king Pharaoh. But saw an Egyptian mistreating a Jew and said, this ought not to be. And so he killed the Egyptian and ran away as a fugitive until God got a hold of him 40 years later, sent him back to Pharaoh's palace to knock on the door and said, let God's people go from their oppression. Medical pioneers who watched their generation die of illness and disease that had been accepted as part of life and yet said, this isn't the way people should die. And they worked tirelessly to, to disrupt the, tired, uh, the tried and true order of things. People like Banting and Best, Curie, Pasteur, Edward Jenner. People who fought against slavery, racial injustice, Disruptors like William Wilberforce, Frederick Douglass, Harriet Tubman, Lincoln, Martin Luther King. Disruptors, people who dare to go into the impossible circumstances of their day and to fight to make sure that chains were broken, that justice was extended to all, that sickness didn't wipe out a generation, and that tyrants did not stand tall in the place of destruction. I want you to know that in your spiritual DNA, there is a disruptor gene. And it's been placed carefully in you by a God who wanted you to be a warrior. Wanted you to be a disruptor for good, for God, for your generation. In you resides an ability to see darkness threaten and intimidate people. Sin wreck havoc and a community of gate, uh, the gates of hell... Uh, stand up and you say, this ought not to be. I can't stand for this. John writes in his first letter to, uh, to his friends that the Son of God came to destroy the works of the devil. That DNA has been transferred onto you when you accepted him as your Lord and Savior. You are sent to destroy the works of the devil. It's reflected in the story that is told of Jesus in John's Gospel, chapter 11. There was a family, two sisters and a brother, who were hospitable to Jesus and his entourage. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And and Jesus became very close to this household and made many trips to visit them during his ministry. And our our text uh, opens 
that with Jesus being away from home base and on a missionary tour. And, and word comes to him that the brother, Lazarus, was very sick. And the women who had witnessed the healing power of Jesus and, and had believed that Jesus loved their brother so much that he would leave everything that he had and was doing and would come to them right away and save this young man's life. Our text opens with the messenger arriving at the reaction, uh, arriving where Jesus was in the reaction that Jesus has. Chapter 11, verse 4. But when Jesus heard about this illness, he said, Lazarus's sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, He stayed where he was for the next two days. And finally, he said to his disciples, let's go back to Judea. Desperate situations come wrapped up in time restrictions. Something has to be done now. Come immediately. Act quickly. But Jesus never frets about the time. We do, but he never does. Without a doctor's note or without a diagnosis in front of him, Jesus declares that this story will not end with the premature death of his friend and Lazarus. God will be glorified. The Son of God will be acknowledged for who he is. I know what the end of this story is, and it's not ending now. With that, Jesus continued to do the good and continued to do the ministry that he was doing for another two days. At the end of that 48 hours, Jesus says to his team, okay, now it's the time. Let's go back to Judea. Let's see Lazarus. Now, there was a different difficulty that was going on at that time as well. You see, any disruptor will encounter only two kinds of audiences. There will be people who either love you or people who hate you. There's no fence sitters when it comes to disruptors. And Jesus had a great number of haters. The disciples reminded him of that fact that only a few days before, when they were in that same area, the the Judean region where where Lazarus lives, that there had been a group of people who were plotting to stone Jesus to death. And the question was, you can't seriously be thinking of going back to that dangerous situation now before things have had a chance to cool down. We have to think this through. There has to be another option. Disruptors follow the lead of the Savior. They don't pay very close attention to the headlines. They they don't get intimidated by the circumstances or by people who are misusing and abusing their power. They are on a God mission. They walk by faith and not by what they see, not by what they hear. The answer that Jesus gave to the disciples ignored the plot to kill or those who were involved. His focus was the man in need. He says, our friend, and that is a very significant phrase, our friend, Lazarus has fallen asleep and now I will go and wake him up. Well, the argument was raised by the disciples. If he's sleeping, that must mean he's doing better. He's going to rest. He's going to recover. He's on the mend. And we're just going to leave him. That's the best thing to do. And it wasn't at all what Jesus was saying. And so he spoke more plainly. He looked them in the eyes and he said, Lazarus is dead. 
Now, that was a bit confusing because he had said this won't end with death. But he's looking them in the eyes and he's saying, Lazarus has died. This isn't a mistake. I'm wanting you to understand the power, the authority that is resident in the kingdom and soon will be released to you. We are going to Judea. We're going to wake up Lazarus. And then you will really believe this isn't just for Lazarus. This is for you to know that you have that DNA in you as a disruptor. That's you too. That's who you are. There was obviously some doubts about the wisdom of going back to the hotbed of hatred that was in the territory toward Jesus. And there was a bit of concern that if, if the man was dead, isn't, isn't that the end? What, what, what's the good of going there now? We, do we really show up for a funeral and then have another few funerals when we're killed? Uh, so, so when Jesus says, come on, let's go, there's a hesitation around the room as people measure and consider their options. You, you need to know that not every disruptor is a willing participant. Often we find ourselves in situations, we find ourselves unwillingly surrendering to the plan that's in front of us. Thomas was such a man. He, he had no idea of what was going on, but finally he just says, come on, guys, let's go. We can't let Jesus go alone. If he dies, then we all have to die. Come on. It, it wasn't an excited or, 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 or valiant kind of thing. It, courage and bravery are not always requirements to be a good disruptor. You just need to understand that. So they, they make their way, and the, they get to the town, the town of Bethany, and it's full of friends who've come to comfort the sisters Martha and Mary, who have suffered a horrific loss. A younger brother, who most likely was the mainstay of the household income, is gone. And he's gone at such a young age, and, and, and Martha goes out to the road to meet Jesus, and and. and and she has regrets that Jesus hasn't been present when, when they needed him. If, if you could have just been here when he was sick, my brother wouldn't have died. I, I know you didn't get the news until after he was dead, and, and so I'm not being critical of you, but, but I just wish you could have been here. Now, now, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I, I want you to know that I still believe in you. I, I know that God will use you. He will still bless you in all that you do for him. He will give you whatever you ask him. Again, it's a, it's a reluctant and not fully informed disruptor, not, not fully convinced that this story will be anything but sad and over. Know this. Disruptors are hardly ever the most talented people in the room. Not often are they the wisest or even the most brilliant minds that are present. However, they are gripped by a truth that changes the way they think, the way that they see things. They, they believe whatever you ask God, He will give it to you. That's in their hearts. Disruptors may not know a lot of things. They may not know when to quit. They may not know when to be quiet. They don't know what defeat looks like. But they do know with God, nothing is impossible. Faith attracts the attention of God. And wherever it's expressed, God shows up. Wherever faith is expressed, God shows up. And Martha had this, this small faith, very small, but, but God rewards that, that word of, of faith. I know that God will hear whatever you pray. He rewards that with knowledge. 
Jesus looks at Martha and says, your brother will rise again. And Martha, while somewhat comforted, still misunderstood the encouragement and, and thought that Jesus meant that at the end of world history, when, when, when God comes and he takes his people home, when the dead in Christ are raised first, and then all we who are alive and are caught up in the air together with him, and then life starts for we will forever be with the Lord. That's what you mean, isn't it? That, that, that's what you're, you're saying to me, right? You see, disruptors have inquiring minds. Disruptors ask questions. They don't get stuck in a rut with their thinking. They, they ask, they search, they knock, and they refuse to be settled and at peace with what they don't understand. What do you mean he will live again? What will that look like? How is that possible? Explain yourself. In those times of honest seeking, those, those moments of desperation when we realize that the one who has the answer is Jesus and we run to him for direction, we run to him for, for information, for comfort. In those moments, there comes a revelation. There comes a truth that's always existed, but a truth that we might not have ever known or understood. And in those moments, God breathes on our hearts and our hearts come alive to those who... Uh, comes alive to who he is and something of how big, how wonderful, how full of power he really is. And Jesus reveals something of who he is to Martha. I am the resurrection. Martha, I am the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after they have died. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Every one of us has an appointment with death. Not all of us are getting out of this alive. But, but even death is not the end. There, there's life on the other side of this thing that we've said is the end. From conception through eternity, there is no end to life. Death has no power because Jesus has the title, The Resurrection. Life has no finality because the eternal Son of God has said, everyone who believes in me will never die, will never die, will never die. The proof comes in a moment or two, but, but Jesus asks Martha, the seeker, Martha, do you accept this as the truth? Do you believe it? You stand or you fall on what you believe to be true about Jesus. Martha didn't know what it all meant, didn't know what it looked like, but she declares from the core of her being, I know that you are the one sent by God, and so if you say this, I believe. Disruptors have God things happen in them because they believe. These signs shall follow those that believe. If you believe, you can say to this mountain, be lifted up and carried to the sea, it will be done. They believe. We could spend so much time in this chapter because Jesus not only shows who he is here, but shows us where we come from and who we are and in the here and the now. But Martha goes back to the house and she calls to her sister, Mary, and says, listen, Jesus is on the, 
the edge of town and he's wanting to see you. And, and so Mary gets up suddenly and, and without explanation. And many of the crowd that are in the, the house follow her, wanting her not to be alone for, at such a vulnerable time in her life. And, and Mary gets to Jesus and, and she's crying and she says the same thing to, the, to Jesus that her older sister had said, if you'd only been available. If, if you could have only been here, I know that this story would not have ended in this tragic way, but see the reaction that Jesus has. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and saw the other people waiting with her, a deep anger welled up within him. And he was deeply troubled. Where have you put him? He asked. It, it seems like a a strange reaction to have to a very normal expression of grief. Who, who gets angry at mourners who are weeping at a funeral? Who, who's deeply troubled by grieving people expressing their emotional pain? But the text says that in the midst of the weeping, in the middle of all the wailing, deep anger welled up and that Jesus was deeply troubled. We don't know what to do with anger. We, we think it's a bad emotion. Anger should be rejected. We should be passive. Accept whatever comes our way. We should live sera, Whatever will be, will be. But Scripture says you can be angry. Just don't allow your anger to take you to sin. Let it motivate you to see the strategy of God. Let it be a motivation to break chains that are around you. There's, there's this beautiful spiritual gift called discernment. The ability to tell what the power, what the influence is behind things that are done, things that are said, what motivates people. And the anger of Jesus is discerning and directed at the tyranny of Satan who is the master, the author, the one who deals in sorrow, deals in death through the entrance point of sin. Jesus knows that this is not the picture that was meant to be. The original design never called for death, never called for sickness, sorrow, or distance between God and his creation. The, the understanding of, of what had happened and why it had happened, the violation of the will of God by the evil enemy who would dare come into this friendship circle of Jesus and take away a beloved friend, troubled, agitated, stirred Jesus to action. Take me to where Lazarus is laid. Let's deal with this injustice. Enemy, if you think that I'm going to glibly accept this as the income, as the outcome, as the final say, as the th way things have got to be, then you don't understand my declaration. I am the resurrection. In the place of death, and I am the life in the place of dark separation. You have stolen life that was not yours to steal. You think that you have won and the battle is over, but I have news for you. Take me to the tomb. I pray that same anger over things that are not as God has intended them to be will come and will grip you, make you wholly angry and stir and agitate and trouble you to the place of doing something about it. I stated earlier that disruptors are misunderstood. Jesus gets to the tomb, and the crowd sees that there are tears coming down his cheeks. And, and some said, 
Oh, isn't that so precious? How deeply he loved our dear Lazarus. Well, he wasn't crying because Lazarus was dead. He was going to bring him back to life, so that can't be the case. And others said, he ought to be crying with shame. He thinks he's such a big deal. He thinks he can do anything. He healed a blind man around here once, but that was no help to Lazarus. He should have, but I wonder if he could have helped our friend. Again, not the reason for the tears. The tears came because no one but Jesus could understand the sad state of mankind, how it had deteriorated from the beauty in the creation at Eden's garden until now, where Satan prowled around like a, a roaring, destructive, out-of-control lion, taking, old, taking life any old time he wanted and any old time he felt like. This ought not to be, Jesus said. And the anger builds as Jesus makes his way to the tomb. And as he arrives, he instructs the men to roll the stone away from the entrance. Martha's flabbergasted. She, she can't believe it. You, you can't do that. He's been buried for four days. The stench will be horrendous. This story, this last chapter of, of Lazarus can't be redeemed Let's go back to the house and have some egg salad sandwiches and a, and a cup of coffee and talk. But, but don't go opening up tombs at this late hour of the decay process. So one reason I like going to funerals, the egg salad sandwiches. But <laughs> Jesus responded, please remember what I have said. The glory of God, the revelation of his power and of his purpose will be seen here and seen now if you believe. Let me ask you, church, do you believe? That's the case. The statement was made with such a, a, a audacity, with such authority that no one dared shrink away. And the men go and they, they roll away the stone from the, from the opening of the entrance. And Jesus looked up to heaven. Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. But I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here so that they will believe that you sent me. Every God-directed disruptor knows how to hear God. Every God-directed disruptor knows how to call on God, knows how to pray. If you're going to disrupt, you have to pray. Every disruptor knows that the sound of their voice and the strength of their faith causes heaven to respond in power. Every disruptor sent by God has one goal, to glorify God, glorify God, to make his name famous in all the earth, to be sure that people are convinced that Jesus Christ is the only way. The dead man is in the tomb, and with certainty and authority, Jesus stands there and calls out specifically for Lazarus and Lazarus alone to come out of the grip of death and the cold damp of the tomb. The voice that had the power to separate land from sea, that had the ability to call for a difference between uh, the, the earth and the heavens. It had to be careful not to release every person who had ever died in all of history from death. So powerful, so authoritative was his word. Jesus said, Lazarus, only Lazarus, come forward. That same DNA is in you and needs to be activated by the authority of God's word. And that power of the Holy Spirit who is present here today and wanting to make sure that you are freed from grave clothes that hold you uh, as a captive who believe 
who believes that you can't, that you won't, that you, you don't make a difference to the people in your world, by your name, Jesus commands this morning that you would be unwrapped from the grave clothes and free to disrupt the evil plans and schemes of the one who terrorizes the field, your field of influence. Lazarus, come forth, and he does. I want you to know that Matthew chapter 10, verse 8 says, Here is what Jesus said to you and to me about our work here and now in this generation. Could I have the musicians come, please? Go to where people have been sidelined by sickness and heal them. Restore them to be to, to the place, to the purpose that God has for them. Go to where people are dead, physically, mentally, emotionally, or spiritually, and declare the power of Jesus, who is resurrection, a brand new start to those who think their story has ended. Declare life to those who are held in the icy grip of death and fear. Cure impossible, gener cure impossible diseases in your generation. In his generation, it was leprosy. We have a cure for leprosy now. In ours, you have a host of, of diseases to choose from. You can choose cancer or HIV or hatred or division. Cure them. Change the atmosphere. Bring hope to the place you live. Put demons on notice that they have no power, they have no authority in the place where Jesus reigns, and that in a moment they're going to be homeless and they're going to be diving for cover because the disruptor in you can't tolerate the chaos that they have brought to the area that you call home. And when you come to need, any kind of need, just give all that you have. You've given, give as freely as you've received and don't worry about running out. He will meet every need that you have. That's why, that's why your barns have to be full and your vats have to overflow. Because you're going to run into need and you need more than enough. You need more than enough. Church, there are things in our world that ought not to be. There are kids who don't know that they are loved, that they're important, that they're special. And it may not be taking on an entire movement, but it may be bringing a foster kid into your house and just loving the daylights out of them. There are things that are going on in your school or in your place where someone is, is, is being bullied and, and you, that ought not to be. That ought not to be. And you're a disruptor. You can change that. You can change that. Gloria came into church this morning, and she wasn't well, and, and, and we just did what the Bible said. We anointed her with oil, and we prayed over her. Last week, there was a word of knowledge, and there was, there was a healing that took place, and, and I believe that there's more. But, but more than all of that, I want you to know that in your DNA are the genes for disrupting the evil works of the enemy. Will you stand with me, please? Will you stand with me, please? You've been brought to the kingdom for such a time as this. You're not here by accident. You're not here because of fluke. 
God knew who you were before you were conceived. He wrote purpose into your life. And so right off the bat, I come against every spirit of fear that is like a grave cloth that's wrapped around you, that keeps you back, that keeps you inactive, that keeps you from getting angry at what you should be angry at. I come against that fear right now in the name of Jesus. I release you. I pray that the peace of God will flood your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And that the Holy Spirit of God will help you sort through the emotion. Will give you a brand new discernment to know what to do, when to do it, and how it should be done. I come and I release courage in you right now to step up, to be the man, to be the woman, to be the Christian that you were meant to be to say this thing ought not to happen and to go after it with the, with the fury of heaven. I call on you to declare that the heaven is going to come down where you live. Heaven will come down and touch the earth, touch the people where you are. You have DNA in you that belongs to God and with God nothing is impossible. I... I dare you to believe. I dare you to stand up with the belief of God that nothing is impossible. I dare you to go up to those that are sick in your world and anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith and believe and not give up until they are up and well. I pray that you would have the ability to say with strength and with conviction, roll the stone away. We're going to do business here today. I declare this morning that this year that is in front of us is a landmark year. It's a year when we do things. I declare that it's not only going to be here in Calgary, but Strathmore is going to shake under the work that God wants to do in you and through you. I declare that this is a lay revival, that it's not leadership led, but it's men and women of God going into the places where they live and doing the works of God the way he meant it to be done. I believe it with all of my heart. I believe that the only thing that we need to do is step up to our call. Step up to the place where we are called by God to be the sons, the daughters, the, 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 the people who disrupt the enemy's plans and purposes. Will you put your hands out? Holy Spirit of God, come on this people right now in your mighty name. Do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that they ask, think, or even dare to imagine. Come on them in your power. Come on them in wisdom and strength and understanding. Train their hands for war, their fingers for battle. Cause them to, to become irritated by the things that ought not to be. Cause them to be irritated to the place of stepping up and saying, this will not be, and causing disruption to Satan's chaos, we pray. I pray for not only these who are here, but I pray for our children in the room downstairs that God, in a brand new, deep, and un, 
an unknown way you would come in their hearts and you would raise them up to be the Daniels of their day. You would raise them up to take on the giants of their day. That even in their young years, they would take the stone. They would knock the giant down, cut off his head, and cause a disruption to the plans and the purposes that the enemy has against them and against their generation. Father, we make this declaration, Canada shall be saved. And it's not because we hope or wish, but it's because you're putting on your church a brand new anointing. You're putting on your church a brand new understanding of who they are and what is at their disposal. You're releasing them in brand new ways to do brand new things that they didn't think possible. God, I pray that you would speak by dreams and in visions to your people. I pray, oh God, that when they lift up the word of God, it will come on them and incite in them something that they've never understood, never had before. Holy Spirit, be released like a river that gushes up inside of them, bringing strength and refreshment and newness of life to them, we pray. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen and amen. Listen, church, you can't now just go back and sit in your your easy chair and just say, well, let's see if that works. I... You know, sometimes he's on and sometimes he's way off. It means you get out of your easy chair and you say, God, there's something in front of me that ought not to be. And I have disrupted genes in my DNA. It means that you stand up and you take on the enemies that are in, the giants that are in your world. It only works when we work with God only works when we don't believe the things that are lies, but we take the truth and we apply it to our hearts. Does that make sense to you? Now may the peace of God that passes all understanding rest on both your heart and your head in Christ Jesus. May the Holy Spirit that leads and guides you into all truth take you and make you a warrior where you need to fight and make you the kindest, gentlest shepherd where you need to love. May may God the Father speak a brand new word into your being about how he sees you, how he understands you, the purposes that he has that would dispel every fear, every doubt, and set you free in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen.